Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. And welcome back. In this hour, we're going to speak with a wonderful lady who is a living example, indeed in my mind, an icon of walk your talk. Say what you mean and mean what you say. She is absolutely unafraid to be her honest self at all times, regardless of what someone else might think of her. She has overcome many obstacles in life, and today she presents some of the most exciting motivational seminars you could ever experience. So let me tell you a little more about D.D. Mercer Moffat. D.D. Mercer Moffat is known as the snap-out-of-it woman. After snapping out of her 24-year addiction to alcohol, D.D. climbed out of her self-imposed box and reignited her singing and entertaining career. Since 2008, she has performed in front of over 10 million people on some of the biggest stages, like that of the New York Yankees, the Houston Astros, and NBA's Oklahoma City Thunder. Dee Dee is starting a snap power revolution and helping others to wake up and stand up to what is keeping them locked up, pushed down, and playing small. As a professional speaker, Dee Dee presents her message, Wake Up, Stand Up, and Snap Out of It, to organizations all across the country. She is the author of the best-selling book, Wisdom Wedgies and Life's Little Zingers. You'll love it. It's a cute book. The host of Snap Out of It radio show, and she is currently in production of her autobiographical one-woman show, If I Stop, Then Who Am I? She is a favorite of mine, and she has been with us before. So let's get her in here. But first, let's listen to Dee Dee's song. All right. Welcome back to Provocative Enlightenment, Dee Dee Mercer Moffat. Good afternoon, Eldon Taylor. <laughs> it's good to have you join us. I got I all right, we we have just played your song of life. Everybody says don't. Um you know, Ravinder, by the way, thought that when you sent this over to her that it was actually you singing the song. Uh, which is quite a compliment since that was performed by Barbara Streisand. Not that you don't deserve it, but why this song? What what makes this song so much a life song for you? Well, it's just so powerful and it's so freeing. And, you know, I am that poker of people, right, Eldon? You know, you've said I'm a little irreverent. I tick some people off because I tend to do what people say don't. I talk about some of the tough issues. Um, you know, I hit um, people in the face sometimes. I kick them in the butt, and and um, they don't like that. So, um, and, and rightly so, rightly so. You know, one of my things for 2014 is to to be a little softer in my approach. It really is. Um, I, I don't but, know if that's appropriate, but I don't want to interrupt you. You keep going. I love your style, but, but go ahead, keep going. Well, I want to have I you kick your butt before you get off the radio, though. So let's make sure we understand awesome. that one. Awesome. But, uh, you know, when everybody says don't, I say do. Um, and I just think that, that um, 
you know, with my own life, you know, even my own self, my own inner talk saying, don't do this, don't do that. And once we really question that and challenge that, man, it's just so freeing. And, you know, Barbara Streisand's my idol. I, I grew up wanting to be an entertainer, and I, I would go into my room, and I would play Barbara Streisand and Johnny Mathis, and just being in that dream and that fantasy and singing along with her, um, you know, changed my life and really helped sculpt my life into being the entertainer that I am today. Okay, now, you and I haven't chatted for a while, but since we did last, you moved. You moved your home, didn't you? I mean, you, you don't live in Texas anymore, is that right? I don't live in Texas anymore. We moved to the beautiful town of Evergreen, Colorado. And, um, you know, I, I, I love Texas. I do. I, I'm from Oklahoma, so I was there 30 years. I lived in Northern California for three years. And then I lived in, in Texas for 15 years. But last June, uh, we were out here. My husband and I typically come out here once a year anyway for a month, rent a home. And this is someplace that Rick really wanted to live. And I, I was really resistant to it, Eldon. Uh, every time I would come out, it would take me a week, at least a week, to let go of my Dallas mentality. And what I mean by that is this, that the yards had to be a certain way, that you had to live in a certain type of neighborhood, that... That, that, you know, that everything had to be a certain way. The women had to have all their makeup on. They had to be in their best clothes. So I had to really shed my Dallas identity, and I was really very resistant to living here. Um, but after many years of going through that, I started recognizing, okay, look, Didi, you're going to have this resistance for a week, so just go with it. It wasn't like I stopped being resistant, but what I did was I stopped being resistant to my resistance. Because I knew that in a week I was going to be okay, and then I could see the beauty. And in June, um, we came up here to this beautiful town of Evergreen, and we drove around, and we came upon this lake. And we got out, and we walked the dogs. And this is so interesting. My husband pointed this out to me the other day. He said, Dee Dee, look at this picture that we posted on Facebook. It was back in June, and I'm there with my German shepherd, and I'm bending down, and it's a beautiful picture of the lake, and under the caption it said, wouldn't this be a great backyard? And by golly, it is our backyard. We moved here and we look <laughs> right at the lake. We're right above the mountain. How wonderful. But it's beautiful. I love it now. Now, so you've left your Dallas mentality. Does that mean that you you feel better, or are you still allowing your resistance to the resistance to be what it's about? Is it okay no. just to be natural and the heck with that makeup and the heck with that, you know, pair of heels and the heck with that rigid form and fitting into that costume that's expected of you? <laughs> well, I still wear my makeup, I'm going to say. Probably not as often as I used to in Dallas. And I, I think that Dallas women are gorgeous and, I, and, and, and all of that. But we tend to identify, you know, with the environment that we're in. But I have to say I do love this feeling here. And the feeling is this, that um, I am more about just living life, just feeling peacefulness of being in nature, of being just totally fulfilled when I'm walking with my dogs and my husband. I have my coffee in my hand, and, and I don't uh, seem to get so caught up in work that I miss my life. And 
I think that that is is part of the culture of of being in Dallas, even though, you know, it's a great place. Again, I loved my home. I loved everything about it. It is just different, and I I have to say that, that I love it here now. You know, we are herd animals, and as you know, we do, you know, accept the hive uh, consciousness to a certain extent, you know, and uh, I can tell you that myself, we moved my offices from Las Vegas to Spokane, Washington, and uh, the idea that I might go into my office in a pair of Levi's and, uh, you know, some casual slip-on shoes, and uh, they're totally totally foreign you know to the way i would have conducted myself in las vegas but i have also found that it is you know it is so much more natural it is so much more it is so much easier to find yourself to be truly yourself when you're not trying to fit in to dress uh, to some expectation to to you know to be that person that <clears throat> It, it, that our society sometimes demands. But you that have experience true. with that. You've got a lot of experience with that. Uh, well, it's a butt kicker, too, Eldon. I'm just going to say this, that when you don't fit in, it is it is uncomfortable. And I don't think it's for the faint at heart. And even in my own career, um, as you heard me say uh, in, in the beginning of the show, you tend to get pushed back by people that want to push you back in that box. And, um, you know, you have to have really tough skin. And there have been times that I don't have tough skin, and it's painful. And you say, well, maybe I should just say what everybody wants to hear. And then I think, well, hell, then I wouldn't be me, you know? I, I Seriously, I'm going to write a book, Elvin, and it's going to it, – here's the title of the book. It's going to be called Beliefs, Behaviors, and Balls. Because that's what I think you got. I love it. You got, you know what I'm saying? You, you know Do all I about it. I know. Me. Hey, I wear that pair of pants so often, you can't believe it. Ah, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't see that you, that you, you do it in a different way uh, than I do. And I, I, I think I need to learn a little bit more from you because I, I don't see that people beat up on you like they do on me. Well, did I don't know if they, they, beat, they up? beat up on me. I, I I tend not to, but they, you know, I do have these circles where there are individuals. I mean, I'm going to go at risk. What the heck? I'm talking to you, and I'm going to make you go to risk. So, <laughs> there are folks that I associate with because of what I do that are in the same genre who make it up as they go along, who just, you know, they pass out glittering generalities like they were a politician. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's BS. It's uh, And I don't have a problem calling them on the carpet when I encounter that. And that does tend to alienate, uh, you know, some folks. And Indeed, we've received letters on this show here where, and I can remember when, uh, not too long ago, where the woman criticized me for um, catching someone at saying something that was incorrect. And she pointed out to me in her letter that I shouldn't do that because I'd be alienating uh, the very people who are in my community from whom I should want support in order for my business to prosper. You know, it's not been about 
business prospering to me it's been more about you know you have to just tell it the way it is if you can't tell it truthfully if what you're going to do is just tell people what they want to hear you're just going to pass out platitudes and and give them that pablum that some folks seem to want i don't know how you live with yourself i don't know how you i don't know how you can consider yourself to be a success i don't i don't see how that's authentic in any way shape or form so it just simply doesn't fit with me i i often think of it this way Didi, and i i would put you in the same camp there's a story about reuben in the bible and you know david gets the coat of many colors and and of course um he is the favored son, and, and Jacob is, uh, you know, not exactly following the traditional patriarchal, you know, system going down to the older older son. And uh, so his brothers aren't really happy with him, and there comes a point where they're going to knock him off. But Reuben says, no, no, that's not the right thing to do. Uh, you know, what dad does is is not correct. But doing that is also not correct. So we'll sell him. And so Reuben is the one who's, and in the Jewish tradition, they would say, the one who stands alone. Uh, he stood up to both the brothers and the father. And uh, very often I feel sometimes like I'm in that camp, the house of Reuben, where, you know, you're trying to do your best at just telling it how it is, uh, but you're finding yourself standing there alone. You identify with that, I know. Absolutely, I do. Absolutely, I do. And, you know, as somebody who makes their living out in the speaker world, um, that has been something that I've, I've really had to wrestle with. How do I continue to be the genuine, authentic deity um, and and continue to have a career? And I've had to you know, make that decision and say, if I'm going to stand up and affect someone's life, then I have to be me, and I'm not going to be for everybody. Um, You know, I am passionate about looking past illusions, as you are. That's why I love your work. And, um, you know, you can go down that rabbit hole, and you can just keep going down that rabbit hole, but I, I really love to study the mind the heretics and the biases of the mind, and how we come up with the things that we come up with, why the herd mentality is the way it is. You know, why do we feel so secure in just going along with what everyone says? And um, it's just not enough for me. It's just not exciting enough for me to do that. And and I know that that may be politically correct. Listen, I don't walk into a party and, and, and pick a fight with everybody the way that, it seems like people do on Facebook. I mean, it's ridiculous, the things that, that go on on Facebook. I mean, it really is. I have even thought, okay, I'm done with this. I'm so done with Facebook. Um, just because it, 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 it gets ridiculous. My husband said, you top it off, Dee Come on, snap out of it. And, yeah, you, you don't uh, so, want to be done with it. You, uh, you do a great job. You so do a anyway, great job it, on Facebook. Yeah, it, it is what it is, you know, and, and – um, even you, you talk about that. I saw a post, and I hate this positive mantra. It says, if you don't have anything positive to say, don't say anything at all. I, I absolutely despise that mantra because I think it is what causes people to not notice what is wrong. 
to not notice when they're being manipulated, to not notice when they're being scammed, to not notice when something's being pulled over on them. Because if you can say, well, if you don't have anything to say, don't positive, don't say anything at all. It has its time and place, I think. You know, there is a a saying also that's called think, and they break it down and say the T is, you know, before you you speak, is it true? The H is, is it helpful? The I is, is it inspiring? The N is, is it necessary? And the K is, is it kind? So are you speaking the truth in a helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind way? And, you know, unfortunately... Sometimes the kindest thing and the most necessary thing is to make sure you're speaking the truth. Um, and, I, and I totally agree with you. You know, Ravinder and I were talking, to, to move on now, we were talking earlier before we came on the show about you. And uh, you, you and I had had a conversation, and Ravinder then got to doing her research. Rev, pick it up. To, you know, share the conversation that we had. You know, it was true. Um I, I think the first time you encountered Dee Dee was when you were on her radio show. So that was in about 2011. Am I right, Dee Dee? Um, that sounds about you, right, yeah. And then you were on Eldon's show and, you know, the two of you started doing more and more work together and you had talked about using Inner Talk. But I was working on a totally different project and I was digging through our old testimonial files and I came across a testimonial from you that you had written back in 2008. So you I bet that was been, on playing golf. Yeah. Yep. You talked about playing golf. Um, but, yeah, it was the fact that y- you had been using his programs years before the two of you started, you know, doing some work together. So your testimonial just held a whole lot more truth when you have, you know, that kind of history. So with that, with well, that I segue, started using, I started no, using his, his his stuff back when cassettes. So I don't know when you <laughs> stopped using cassettes or when you started, but I, when we moved Eldon, I came across cassettes uh, that I used back in my sales days of yours. Wow. Well, you know where I wanted to go next was that part of your story that is the inspiring. It is the beginning. You were an addict for a lot of years. And you had to overcome that. And that's not something that's easy. Do you want to share that story with us? Because what we're trying to do in this show is look at how people can break those old patterns and can manage to achieve the things that they most dream about. Uh, And I love your story of how you move from addiction to who you are today. Well, I wish I could say, Eldon, that I just all of a sudden woke up and said, you know, this is stupid. Uh, That's not necessarily what happened. Uh, Although I can say that maybe in an unconscious way, I was trying to do that with your tapes long before I did snap out of it because, as uh, Ravender just stated, there were many of your tapes that I purchased and bought in the early 2000s. and I think that, that that, you know, helped as I came up to this snap-out-of-it moment. And um, I drank for 24 years. And you know what's really weird is I was an alcoholic, an alcoholic where I blacked out most of the time when I drank, if not all the time. And I got to the point where I was drinking three bottles a night. Um, 
it was nothing for me in the sales world to go to a trade show and have six glasses of wine and three cosmopolitans and be, you know, throwing up in in the um, in the bathroom and then get up and go to a meeting the next day. That's pretty much, you know, how I led my life. But what's interesting about that is that I was using all of these tapes of yours, self-confidence and sales, and here I was, this extreme alcoholic, and I was very successful in my sales career. Now, I'm not advocating, hey, if you're an addict, just use Ellen Taylor's tapes, and you can still be an addict and and be successful. Um, I would hope that you would use, you know, Eldon's tapes in order to help you snap out of it. Um, but what happened was, you know, I was getting married, and uh, we were just two months away from our wedding, and um, we were at a business conference, my fiancé and I, and, and I had 13 glasses of wine, so it was a very, another one of those very, very bad drunks, and he'd had enough. I mean, he was just done, and, and I could tell he was done. The energy had changed. It was one of those things that there, there weren't any words anymore. There was just that feeling and that knowing. And so I knew my back's against the wall. I've got to do something. And it was very uncomfortable. Um, I, I, I never want to leave the impression that once you, and when I say snap out of it, Eldon, I mean this, is that that is the moment where you make a decision. There's a lot of transitions that you have to go through on that path. Right. Um, but I made a decision at that point that something had to change. And um, it's been seven years now, and, and life has changed dramatically. My thinking has changed dramatically. Um, and I look back, and I, and I it, it, it's just amazing. It's just amazing the illusions that we grab onto, the misinterpretations about ourselves that we have, and they control our lives, and we act from those. I mean... It's just, it's just a fact. I mean, that programming, whatever your programming is, be it untrue. And mine was certainly untrue. Um, I've lived that life. And um, today I still have to monitor my thinking. I still have to listen to my inner talk. I still have to do the, the work because I think that... Um, the mind seems to always want to go in that negative direction. So I think whatever we can do, and, and certainly your tapes are very beneficial um, to, to help move us in a direction that we want to go, because it can, it can become overwhelming, but it can be done. And, and life, is, life is a challenge. Life is still uncomfortable from time to time, but it is so inspiring to myself, and it's so exciting to myself to be where I am today and to see what I can do with my life. You know, we have a break coming up. When we come back from that break, I want to ask you more about that moment where you made that decision that things have to change. I mean, the fact of the matter is the brain is a believing machine. It is a belief machine. In fact, many researchers uh, argue that it must be a belief machine in order to promote uh, our our very survival. We have to believe that we won't float upwards. We have to believe in cause and effects. We have to believe in our, you know, our neighbors or our friends. We must be believing people. 
So the machine, the machine, the brain generates belief after belief after belief, and as you point out, they're not necessarily always valid beliefs. So, when we come back, we'll pick it up from there. We hope you're enjoying our show today with our uh, discussion about change. Remember to learn more about our guests and their websites by simply going to provocativeenlightenment.com. We'll be right back in just a couple of minutes, so please stay tuned. Confusion, deception, manipulation, feeling a bit controlled, lost. Learn how you can take back control of your life through proven techniques in Eldon Taylor's revised edition of Choices and Illusions. This New York Times bestseller is a guidebook to your journey to self-actualization filled with practical, real-life solutions backed by scientific studies and guaranteed to awaken your inner genie. Get your copy today from all bookstores. Have you talked to yourself lately? What does that inner voice say? Are you constantly hearing negative feedback? Ready for a change? InnerTalk, Eldon Taylor's patented subliminal technology, can do just that. Change your inner self-talk. Turn off the negative by replacing it with positive affirmations. InnerTalk has been researched at universities such as Stanford and by governments around the world and has been proven effective at priming your self-talk. Armed with a new positive outlook, you'll find everything becomes easier. From losing weight to stop smoking, giving presentations to riding horses, learn new things to being a powerful salesperson. Choose your title for change today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. Innertalk.com. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. You can join in the conversation by calling 877-230-3062. And for our international callers, you can join us by dialing your country code and 425-644-5620. You can also participate by entering the chat room at eldentaylor.com forward slash chat. You can email Eldon from anywhere on the world by sending an email to Eldon at EldonTaylor.com. Now, back to the show. A little D.D. Mercer Moffat. It starts again. Voices in your head, your whole world's caving in. Visions of the way your life could have been, should have been Whose life am I living in, spinning round Brace yourself for a head on collision Can't turn around, beautiful addiction Hides all the shame, is it too late to change? You can stand in the light, it will heal the burden Run and hide, make a lie the truth, but you cry. You scream at the top of your lungs. You live, but your life it goes numb. 
Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're speaking with Dee Dee Mercer Moffat about her life and work and her lovely music. Okay, now, Dee Dee, that was your latest recording. If I have it right, it is your newest single, and it is called Beautiful Addictions. It is a song you wrote with Monty Wells of Denmark, and the song expresses how people hide from their shame and their pain via various addictions. So why do you call it Beautiful addictions well it's sort of a play on words but i have to say that you know when people ask me about my life as an alcoholic versus now i have to admit that that for a lot of it was it was great and i have to be honest about that that when i drank i felt normal when i drank i was able to quiet down all the voices in my head. When I drank, I was able to um, believe that that I was funnier, that I was smarter, that I was more talented. I didn't really have to face me, and that was really beautiful. But the fact of the matter is, is that, and, and two, I have to say that people, when you are successful as an alcoholic, you know, I, I never lost a job, I never got a DUI, um, People tend to look at your life differently when you have the money, when you have the house, when you have the cars, and you have all that kind of stuff that people, uh, quote-unquote, call success. Then 
they think you have a beautiful life. And, and so it, the whole song was sort of a play on words that, in, in a way, these things that addict us make us feel better for a certain amount of time. Because, let's face it, if we weren't hurting, we wouldn't become addicted in the first place. We wouldn't reach out for something to help anesthetize what we're feeling. Um, but then it, it takes hold of you, and it, and it takes you down. And, and so that's why I called it beautiful. There are a lot of people out there, especially from the world that I came from, which is the corporate world, who, um, who have an addiction, and yet we look at their lives on the outside, and we say, gosh, I wish I had that life. They're so lucky. It's so beautiful. And um, so that was the meaning behind the song. You know, I, uh, you know that I'm one of your biggest fans. I love your music. I love your voice. I, you know, I. I but I'm also, I, I have a great appreciation for what you've gone through. Before, before we went to the break, uh, you, you said there came a point where you changed your mind. You just, you, you suddenly said it has to be different. Do you think we all have to have that that level of appreciation in ourselves that says, okay, this is it, that's it. I don't know what I have to do, but I'm going to do whatever I need to do to change this before we'll ever really make the change? I think so. I really do think so. and uh, I just, I've had a lot of experience with addicts, and, and, and maybe I'm wrong. We have certainly have some other addicts in our family, but... Something has to happen. Um, there, there's this point. Something happens that you say, I can't do it anymore. It's not worth it anymore. I'm going to lose. Um, know something. It, 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 I think you have to have that awareness in order to go down the path you're getting ready to go down. That's not to say that there aren't people out there, Elvin, that will ride these addictions all the way down, that there aren't people out there that have so much incredible pain um, that they will never snap out of it. I've studied a lot with Dr. Gabor Mate, um, and he's an addiction specialist, and his book is riveting. And it, and it really does talk about that, that there are some people that the programming is so extensive and the trauma is so extensive that they, quite frankly, are never going to snap out of it. But for those who have this level of awareness, that have some support in their life, that have, um, I think the, I, I don't even know how to, there's something wholeness, you know, there's some, there's some something that they can grab onto. There's somebody that believes in them, and quite frankly, that was my husband, you know, that he, stuck with me and he believed that I could snap out of it and I didn't want to lose him and I wanted to prove to him that I could do it and there were days that I wasn't sure but I just took it one day at a time and there were days that were very tough but one thing that I know is this is that the further we get back from a situation the better we can see it and I remember in the beginning going into a restaurant and I said to my husband, everybody in the world is getting to drink but me. And he looked around and he said, Didi, do you realize there's only two people in here that have a glass of wine? But in my mind, I saw that everybody was drinking but me. Today, 
seven years later, my husband has a glass of wine. I could care less. I'm around people that drink. I could care less. It doesn't affect me anymore like it did. My my thinking has changed, and therefore right. my reality has changed. Right. You know, I, 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 I'm hesitant to give up on anybody. I believe that everybody has within them the potential to change. But I do think... You have to make that conscious decision. You have to. I mean, I, I can tell you myself, uh, you know, I relate to what you were saying about Intertalk. You were playing, you know, maybe the golf program and the powerful sales program and, and not paying any attention to uh, addiction. I, I did the same thing for years. I smoked three packs of cigarettes uh you know, from the time I was, like, I started smoking when I was 15. So for over 30 years, I smoked three packs of cigarettes uh, a day. And, uh, you know, I, I can remember taking an intertalk tape back in the cassette tape days and putting it in my car. Because somebody said to me, well, what are you smoking for? You you do non-stop smoking programs. And I thought, all right, well, I'm not ready to stop smoking, but I'll play this tape and maybe it'll help me get ready. And, you know, what I, my cigarettes started to taste horrible. And, uh, Didi, I mean, you know, I would, I'd go to the store and buy a fresh carton and, and it, they would just, hey, they, they were stale. So one, one morning I, you know, sat down for my coffee, lit up a cigarette. It was hard. I got in my car and I drove to 7 Eleven. I got out, I went in, I felt the packs. I made sure that I had a nice, soft, fresh pack, and I bought a new pack of cigarettes. And I went out, my cup of coffee, and sat down in my, this was 1976, and my 1976 Audi, it had a Blaupunk uh, uh, player, and, and I popped in this uh, cassette uh, tape, and uh, the stop smoking tape. And you know, the minute the tape came on, I realized that, the reason that my cigarettes tasted horrible were those messages on that tape that were telling me that they tasted horrible. I pulled the tape out of the car. I threw it down on the on the sidewalk there alongside the car, and I stomped on it. I said 76, 1986. I just stomped on this tape, just crushed this tape. It was just, you know, and then my cigarettes started tasting better. But my son came to me years later, and he said, <clears throat> Dad, I'm going to smoke if you don't stop. <laughs> you know, and and I looked at him and I thought, you know, my father smoked, my mother smoked, he probably will. And that's when I made the decision. I'm going to stop smoking. I, you know, that's it. I'm going to stop. I had my reason. I had, you know, I made the conscious decision. That's it. I've had enough, as you say, you know. And, and, and I think we can do that about everything. As we look at... You know, this time of year, and folks all make their resolutions and say, this is what I'm going to do. I think the resolutions don't work because most people don't honestly make that commitment that I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make this change, irregardless of what I do. You know, Christian Inescu, Dr. Inescu was on the show just before you, and he made a really important point, I think. He said, before I could help people change... I had to change myself. The Amen. Story, the story you tell, the stories that you share, the excitement you bring to your presentations, they're all representative of the change you made yourself, the power that's in the change that you made 
in in your own life. You know, uh, that's that's my thinking on that anyway, Dee Dee. You you no, I, share. I totally, Go ahead. I, I totally agree, and it, you know, many years ago, I I was going to jump into the whole coaching industry, right? I'm going to coach people, and then I realized, you know what? I don't know a damn thing, and I had to back out of that. I had to really back out of that for a while, and so I I I, I probably will start doing some workshops this year, but. You know, it's been seven years um, and a lot of study and a lot of work. And I certainly, you know, if I... a lot of integrity. You know, yeah, add that it, in. It, and a lot of integrity. Because <laughs> there are many folks out there that they're just going for the bucks. It, You know, yeah. and I'm not saying that they have an evil intent. I, I don't mean that. I just mean they don't stop long enough to say, wait a minute, what qualifies me you know, to do this. So anyway, I don't want to interrupt your story. I just want to make sure that you add that jewel into the gemstone collection because that's one of the things that I really admire about you, your integrity. That's what's behind your ability to make waves, uh, to say it how it is. So go on. Well, I just, I, you know, uh, it's so true um, that I, if I want to break the illusion, because I think that illusions are dangerous, and and I mean it in this way, that if I put up this illusion that all I did was have to make a decision, boom, I snapped out of it, I'm skipping down the street, life was fabulous, I just sat in my room and I visualized, and that's all I did. I never changed the behavior, I never changed the inner talk, I never changed anything, and all of a sudden... I got to sing for the New York Yankees, and I'm up on the stage speaking, and it's just been easy, and all you have to do is buy my this or that, and it's going to... I think that is so wrong, and it is damaging, because I have I have purchased things like that, you know, where somebody has put out this illusion, and it's not that I'm, I want to sell the dark part of life, but I do want to sell the reality, and it says, listen, snapping out of any addiction is going to be uncomfortable, period. So if you can withstand being uncomfortable, you can make those commitments, you can take it one day at a time, and you can get to the other side. No doubt, I know that. I know that. I live it. Or I can tell people what it's going to be like. What do you have to do to get on the speaking circuit? What is it, how much money is it going to take? You know, how many people are going to have to be involved? I mean, there's a lot to everything, as you know. Um, and that's really, I, I wish the world operated like that, Eldon. I wish the world operated more on truth that said, this is the way it is. Do you want to buy into that or not? Do you want to go down this road? Do you think that you can withstand this type of pressure, this type of criticism, this type of pain, this amount of money? If you can, then okay, let's go. To me, that's how I like to understand life, because if not, it's just we're reaching for something that isn't even real. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Too many people want a quick fix. They want instant gratification. And there are all these gurus out there who've listened to their publicist. You missed the first hour of the show. But the publicist who tell them, you know, tell them, tell, tell the public you have five easy principles, the secrets to your success, or ten Ten steps and you know nirvana in their life, uh, and 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 that's what you know. I mean, that's what I object to, and that's what you object to because change 
isn't easy. It doesn't matter what kind of change it is. We resist change. Our belief systems are such that you challenge someone's belief. It doesn't matter. It could be about, you know, politics. It could be about, you know, uh, the neighbor. And they immediately become defensive. It's important that they defend that belief because, after all, they hold that belief. And so it becomes really, really difficult for us to recognize life beliefs that are self-destructive and self-sabotaging and then even more difficult to make those changes because we have to deal with the hardship that we were wrong and, and that it, as you know, with my dependency on nicotine or perhaps yours with alcohol, it isn't just about the nicotine or the alcohol either. It's about the underlying uh, causes behind that, as you say, the pain and the escape mechanism, uh, how we assuage anxiety and so on and so forth. So, but all of we have a whole structure of beliefs that support that as well. Listen, Ravindra is sitting here. She's waving her finger at me because you shared, you know, part of yourself in my book, Choices and Illusions. And uh, and I know she wants to ask you about some of that, so I'm going to let her go ahead and and get her finger out of my face and ask you your questions. I never waggle my finger. I'm too <laughs> nice for that. Actually, I'm seeing a great similarity. You know, the story that you are sharing with us is, you know, on the surface very different to the story Doctor Anescu shared with us, but. The similarity that I'm picking up on is Dr. Inescu started working with the Inner Talk programs when he was uh, training to become a doctor because that internship and all of that stuff, I mean, it's very, very intensive and very, very stressful. So he picked up programs initially to help him deal with stress and learning. You have said that, you know, you started working with the Inner Talk programs because you were using it in business and in sales and, you know, um, that direction. But both of you reached a point where you wanted to take the next step. For Dr. Inescu, it was the move into the, the more spiritual programs. But for you, you, you decided you, at some point you had that decision that you were going to do something about your addictions and what programs to choose for that. Um, so my question actually goes more to Eldon directly here because, you know, on all of the Inner Talk programs, there are certain affirmations that um, are in common. So you do have the, uh, the, the spiritual kinds of programs and the forgiveness set. So when you forgive yourself, you open yourself up to learning a whole lot more wouldn't you see that connection there you, you know I, I'm, I'm sure i would i'm sure dd does too i mean you're right we there's a certain boilerplate that we put on every single program the forgiveness set as we call it i forgive myself i forgive all others i am forgiven critically important I, i've lectured on that i've written books on that it, this has been something we've done for 30 years indeed I used that set of messages initially to eliminate the possibility of inmates displacing responsibility uh, by blaming where they were or what they did on somebody else. It's, it's a, a story I tell in Choices and Illusions. But um, you know, we were able actually to interdict recidivity rate and, and lower aggression and hostility 
utilizing that set of messages at the Utah State Prison in a very early double-blind study back in the 80s. Uh, and, and then since then, you know, or after that, we took that into several other fields and found that whether it's an elite athlete, a uh, Fortune 500 executive, uh, a truck driver, uh, a, a homemaker, we all struggle with guilt, shame, uh, and our tendency is to blame, uh, to, to push that outward. And so the only way to undo that is, is essentially forgiveness. Well, perhaps forgiveness does open the door for us to accept that, you know, our life is about more than the, than what we come to think about it. And, uh, you know, Dee, we're, we're going to be out of time here in a couple of minutes. I don't want to take any more on this. How important do you think forgiveness is? And do you think maybe it does uh, tend to lead us toward a more spiritual path? Absolutely. Absolutely it does. I mean, I think even, even those of us who think that we're really forgiving, I think if we dig down, there, there are many of us who just ignore we just push it out of our minds. We're not really forgiving. Uh, we may just do that mantra, you know, participate in that mantra. If we don't have anything positive to say, we don't say anything at all. And we tend to not look at that. I think if we really become aware of our inner talk and our feelings, we connect those two, we're going to see that a lot of times we are not forgiving. And, um, and, and, and we're just weighing ourselves down, you know, that for some reason the mind really wants to, Hold on to, if I forgive, then I'm letting them off the hook. Well, let them off the hook. So you can frickin' breathe. You know what I'm saying? I want to say that one of my favorite, one of your inner talks, I played on the ending self-destructive pattern because you talk on that, and I find your voice, even before I ever spoke to you, it was just so comforting to me, and that's when you talk. Um, and I, I love that one, ending self-destructive patterns, and I think that was one very valuable one for me. I just wanted to throw That's that out there for you. Dee, I, I want everybody to know how to um, to reach you, especially to obtain some of your wonderful music and learn more about you. In, in about 45 seconds, tell our audience how they can learn more about you, reach you, uh, and get a hold of some of that music. You can uh, find my music on Amazon or CD Baby. You can also go to my website, which is Dee Dee Mercer, and that's M U R. C-E-R Moffitt, M-O-F-F-E-T-T, dot com. You can find me on Facebook, and you can find me on Twitter. My Twitter is D-D, it's the two letters, D-D, Mercer Moffitt, dot com. I suggest you all do so. I love her music. I love this lady. Uh, my wife is sitting right here. I, I you know, it's platonic love, you know, but <laughs> she, anyhow, you, you do a wonderful job. I love what you do. Thanks so much for joining us, D-D. We've come to the end of our time for this episode of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank our guests and all of you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed our show and will join us again next week, same time and same place. And do tell your friends. Let's have them join us as well. Now, remember, if you have comments on our show, do please let us know. Okay, until next time, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters. Provocative Enlightenment has been brought to you by Progressive Awareness Research and other sponsors. Provocative Enlightenment is a syndicated show and appears on other networks. For a schedule of showtimes, visit ProvocativeEnlightenment.com. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, write to Eldon at EldonTaylor.com.